why the rise in all different kind of crime is not a bigger story. I just I don't get it. Um, it's it's been going on for a couple of years. for For decades, crime more or less mysteriously went down with all kinds of people throwing out theories as to why. I like the locking more people up theory, <laughs> locking more criminals up. Yeah. But uh, remember, there was the big theory that it that it that it coincided with uh, Roe versus Wade. So people who were going to be bad at raising kids weren't having kids, so we had less criminals. Well, unless uh, something's changed there, why is crime back on the rise? I don't know. But I, I wish it was a bigger story because it bothers me a lot. Well, and you have a couple of stories. Number one, you have a nationwide rise in violent crime, although it varies from city to city. It's tough to look at nationwide statistics and draw any conclusions from them. Uh, the second thing is an explosion in property crime in the state of California. Um, and to discuss uh, both those matters and whatever else comes up, Jerry Ribera joins us. Jerry's uh, currently director of International Institute of Criminal Justice Leadership and a professor at the University of San Francisco. He was the police chief of San Francisco for a number of years in the 90s and a, a cop for a very long time. He joins us now. Jerry, how are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. It's Tony. Tony. Uh, Tony Ribera. My, uh, my uh, apologies. Sorry, I was misinformed. Um, which isn't the first time. Uh, Tony, uh, let's start with the nationwide rise in violent crime. Uh, what do you think in nationwide crime statistics? What do you make of it? Well, you know, the, there's a lot of factors that go into the crime rate in this country, and a lot of things contribute to it. Uh, you know, in, in trying to think, what can we do better to impact the crime rate? You know, a couple of things come up. Uh, number one is our, our uh, correctional system has not been real successful in terms of turning people away from a life of crime. We have a really high recidivist rate. That is, uh, people that are released from institutions going back to the institutions for, for crime. And that's, you know, that's a concern. Okay, I already got to jump in there. So were we doing a better job uh, a few years ago when crime was going down for decades? Has something changed well, on that I, front? I, I think I think you touched on it on the lead-in before I came on the air, where you mentioned that uh, criminals going to jail has an impact on crime. It's a great preventive tool. They're yeah. not committing crimes if they're in in our communities if they're if they're in prison. I hear you. Populations are dry are dropping. When you look at oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I was just going to say the other thing uh, is, you know, police policies. There's, the last three, three, four years, there's been so much criticism of police and all these policy recommendations uh, in terms of uh, uh, toning down the aggressiveness of uh, of our police. And, you know, that's kind of a two-edged sword. Uh, it's, it's, it's certainly nice to have a good relationship with the community. Uh, but we also need proactive mem- proactive strategies to deal with crime. Well, this is the way we want to run a d- democracy, is we, we generally veer from one extreme to the other and hit the sweet spot only briefly, then move off of it um, in most matters. Uh, when you look at the, uh, the differences in, in major cities, like New York is uh, continually setting new lows in murder. And then you've got my hometown of Chicago, which is an absolute jungle. It's a bloodbath. Um, uh, what do you see as a guy who's studied this for so long? Well, I, I, I think we have to give a lot of credit uh, to uh, Bill Bratton and uh, uh, his team uh, back in New York. I know he 
recently left, but uh, predictive policing, ComStat, these strategies uh, by the police uh, have had a great deal of success in, in curbing crime in New York City. What's ComStat? On the other hand, in Chicago, we saw 70, 765 homicides last year. I mean, that, that's, that's outrageous uh, how that community can tolerate that. I have no idea. And, uh, and that brings us to another thing is, you know, the, the role of the community uh, in, in fighting crime. Uh, it, we can't, you know, just put all the burden on our police departments. There has to be a level of, uh, of uh, cooperation and uh, accountability. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, we, we, we need to assess whether our communities are doing their part, particularly in holding uh, youngsters accountable for criminal activity. Tony Ribera is on the line. His friends call him Jerry, um, <laughs> former police chief of uh, San Francisco. I'm not going to be able to get rid of that for a while. Yeah, you know what? I there there will be a little uh, radio brutality later on today uh, with some of the staff. Uh, current director of International Institute of Criminal Justice Leadership, uh, University of San Francisco. Let's talk a little bit about property crime in California. There's been a fair amount of news coverage lately of this explosion in property crime, particularly car burglaries. In uh, San Francisco, what do you attribute that to? Well, I, you know, Prop Forty Seven uh, has uh, taken a lot of these uh, felonies and dropped them down to misdemeanors, giving permission uh, to criminals to do crimes without penalty. And you think that caused a rise in crime? Hmm. Uh, I, 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 I think it has. And I, I, you know, I had a uh, a a speaker at my. Uh, public policy class at USF a couple of weeks ago from the Patrol Bureau Task Force that was dealing with vehicle break-ins. And he was talking about how many of these individuals are repeat offenders, uh, how they've been through the system, uh, some of them committing as many as being caught for as many as 15 or 20 uh, vehicle break-ins, and they're still out on the street. I, I think that's, that's a big part of the problem. Yeah, my family had an unfortunate run-in with a scumbag a, a, a couple of weeks back, and I finally, uh, through the police, was able to figure out who he was and did a little Googling around, and the guy's been committing all kinds of crimes all around the country for decades. I mean, what do we do with people like that? Just lock them up? Well, I mean, obviously, everything has to be done within the mandates of the criminal justice system, but I think when you have a conviction, you know, a legal conviction within the criminal justice system. We have to look at, is this individual likely to commit more crimes if released into the community? And, uh, you know, I'm not sure sure about that. You know, here in San Francisco, we, we have a computerized system on, uh, on offenders being uh, released prior to trial. And... Uh, you know, the intent of it was very good that, uh, you know, poor people who can't afford bail would have an opportunity to get back into the community. But what's happened is it's take, taken personal accountability uh, out of the decision-making process and uh, put it upon, upon a com- uh, computer. And, uh, you know, we just had a related homicide uh, to an early release through that program. I'm friendly with a couple of district attorneys uh, in the western United States, Tony, and um, and they each say the same thing. They don't have nearly enough cells to put really bad people away. 
you know, there's this trend in California, I know, that where there are too many prisons build schools, not prisons. Do we have enough cells? Well, I mean, that's debatable. And, you know, part of it is what the mandates from the federal court are on, uh, um, you know, humane treatment of, of criminals and so forth. And I, I certainly uh, appreciate all that. Uh, and, uh, you know, whether we need more prisons or we don't need more prisons, I think it, it comes to a community-by-community community, uh, decision on the, uh, on the level of uh, incarceration that we can handle. Yeah, I get that, uh, although criminals own cars. I mean, if somebody is, is a wife-beaten, drug-abusing, car-smashing scumbag two towns over or two counties over, I mean, that's still my business. Well, it is, and and of course we have uh, we have co-op- cooperative arrangements with other law enforcement. For example, if uh, San Francisco uh, County Jail was overcrowded uh, at a particular time, we could contract with uh, Alameda County Jail over in Santa Rita uh, to house our prisoners. So there are different strategies to relieve overcrowding. Tony Rivera, a former uh, chief of police of San Francisco, currently with the University of San Francisco. Uh, Tony, we appreciate your perspective very much. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes. Okay, nice talking with you guys. Thank you. Thanks. If crime continues to rise, um, that plays into Trump's playbook, I guarantee you, because he'll talk tough on that. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where most people are by far. Need to turn central Nevada into a giant prison camp for the western United States. I'm, giant, I mean, 10,000 guys, barbed wire, high walls, guards and towers. Kurt Russell, I'm guessing, is incarcerated there. I know you see a lot of uh, bus boards that say, build schools, not prisons, and you don't see, you know, the uh, the people that want to be tough on crime. You don't. They, they don't have a voice out there in the billboard world. But the vast majority of people want to be tough on crime. I'm serious. I don't care how progressive you are. Well, no, I'm sorry. The lunatic communists of San Francisco, for instance, wouldn't see the sense in this because there's no reaching them with logic. But if you were to talk to a district attorney, and I wish DAs had a higher profile, um, if you were to talk to a DA and say, all right, show me the list of people who you're not sending to jail after a conviction this month. Okay, let's start with Joe Jones. He uh, he has uh, four violent felonies in his past, et cetera, et cetera, and he was just picked up for uh, for breaking into a car and in, in, in possession of meth, blah, blah, blah. No way we can fit him because we got to get uh, Jim Smith over there who just killed his old lady. So he gets the cell. There's no room for Jones, and they'll go down that list, and you will not believe the level of scumbaggery among people who... Don't have a cell waiting for him. I'm not to, you know, half the people in jail just got caught with a joint. I mean, that's the biggest myth that exists. I'm a libertarian. I think you ought to smoke who you want to smoke what you want to smoke who you want. You're on the side of the cannibals. I am a cannibal. (laughs) I'm a proud cannibal. That's I'm glad it came out finally. Uh, smoke whatever you want to have sex with. I don't care. I don't care about any of that stuff. But bad, dangerous people ought to have a cell waiting for them. Yeah, this is such a complicated issue on so many levels, because then you've got the angle of housing criminals is such a big, profitable business that costs way more than it should, yep. because so many people are getting rich that, yep. it, that it makes it difficult to build more cells. What he said.
Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Joe has just come out as a cannibal. 415-295-KFTC. Don't knock it till you try it. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. The new study said that a lack of sleep can actually make you happier. When they heard that, new moms were like, you want to say that to my face? Funny. Got a lot of uh, complaints about our last guest. Oh, that's a shame. Um, uh, Wow. I'm sorry to hear that. Too low energy, too noncommittal. Let's let's, uh, let's not get into the specifics. That's that's, that's dirty pool. Too noncommittal and... uh, uh, we got this text from the text line, which is the best place to get our texts. As much as I wish Jack was correct, uh, the public does not want to be tough on crime. See various props that have passed in various states. I'm a DA in the Bay Area and our pleas to lock up dangerous people regularly fall on deaf ears. I can't even understand. I don't can't even get in the head of those of you who don't want to lock up repeat offender people. This is why I regularly refer to uh, Cal Unicornia. The the pop, the voting public has gotten into a headspace where they're regularly swayed by these utterly fanciful arguments. These, you know, moon, June, spoon, unicorn, nice sounding arguments that just don't square with human reality at all. Here, we have too many people committing felonies, so let's make the felonies misdemeanors. So now all the criminals are saying, this is fantastic, and crime skyrockets, so, and people act surprised. How can you possibly be surprised by that? Aside from that, since it was difficult to nail down uh, why crime dropped steadily for a couple of decades. There were um, a number of theories and probably a number of factors. Is there How much of it could just be the, that contagion theory that, uh, what's his name has? Uh, Malcolm Gladwell. That, you know, it's like a disease in society, like he talks about with school shootings. It just it like just spreads through society. This idea of doing that. did the crime do that? Not doing crime kind of spread. Now crime is spreading again. I uh, that's absolutely worth looking at. You know that's that's going to be a tough ingredient to nail down. But sure. it's probably a bunch of stuff. I'm thinking about Chicago. That's unquestionably part of it. There, the culture in on the south side and the west side of Chicago are if you have any grievance, you shoot somebody. But they got a couple of main gangs that are fighting over turf. Is that what's going on there? Yeah. Yeah, it's always at the root of it, yeah. Yeah, because I saw... And all sorts of subsets of those games. Because that can happen to your city, too. Um, I, uh, when I was uh, younger, living in Kansas, I remember when the Crips and the Bloods came to Wichita, and it went from a town with almost no crime, to, uh, and same thing happened in Oklahoma City. Went from towns with very little crime to towns with all kinds of murders, and the attitude toward crime and the policing, nothing changed. Just the gang set up shop and decided to go to war. Mm-hmm. And that can happen. And choose yeah. your city and not the other city. I remember that when the big L.A. gangs realized that there are swaths of America where the drug trade was just amateurs selling pot and coke or whatever to their friends. And they thought, wait a minute, we're going to industrialize this. So, yeah, they swept across the, the Great Plains in the Midwest, start yeah. taking over cities where, you know, you get to a place like Chicago or whatever, and the mob was running it for a while. You know, the old Italian mob. But anyway, yeah. Uh, some other texts that we got that I should mention. 
First time I've felt the need to contact you guys. Love, all, love almost everything you do, but the cannibal story was too much. I had to turn you off. We got several of those. Hmm, interesting. Well, it looks like Mix 96 for my morning commute today. That is a uh, soft rock radio station, I believe. <laughs> I believe today's hits, yesterday's favorites? Something like that. <laughs> Or is it today's favorites and yesterday's hits? Uh, somebody check into that. Uh, that's interesting. You know, the daughter of a friend of mine texted and said, uh, did they cook them or eat them raw? So some people wanted more detail. Yeah, I'm not grossed out when I hear something like that. No, I'm amazed at the, the, the depths of human depravity. But... but I'm a horrifying crime guy. If I hear a horrifying individual crime on a radio station, I turn it off. I don't want to hear that. Sorry, I don't want to hear it. Don't want details. Some of you don't care at all, so... Uh, we also got this text, um, canned hand is the best you can do. How about leg of Ann or split peat soup? <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. There's nothing funny about cannibalism. Except for that, which is quite funny. That is, that's you, you sicko. So, there you go. That, yeah. what, what, I, I, serious, seriously, the whole, we need to build schools, not prisons. Is that an actual adult thought? Yes! Yes! Because those are the only two choices. <laughs> Talk about your, your, your false choice. That's ridiculous. If you've ever uttered that phrase, you're a fool. Can we get some houses, too? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I find it very frustrating because, you know, i got a couple of kids I'm going to send out in the world, and I don't want the crime to go back to the way it used to be. I thought it was great really, really low. I thought it was fantastic. Build as many effing prisons as you got to. Sure. And I'll pay whatever taxes you got to, as long as you're not screwing me, which currently you are. Sure. Prison system. You're mm-hmm. screwing taxpayers currently. You get that under control, then build however many prisons you have to build. You know, I'm strong in Getty Penal Island. We've been pitching that idea forever. I will adjust my lifestyle to however I got to adjust it to afford the taxes that it takes to build however many prisons you got to build to house people that can't stop committing crimes. I am perfectly fine with that. Again, with the caveat that you're not wasting my money, which you currently are. And I'd like to see some good, solid research into lowering recidivism rates and oh, yeah. see the, the oh, programs yeah. that work, because there are programs that work. I'd like to see them funded. I'd like to see people treated with compassion if they lack an education, if they're junkies, whatever. Like, get them that. It's it's a selfish desire. We want these people to come out or get done with their, their term and be productive, law-abiding citizens. Also, I'm for programs that give people a second chance. Somebody got a felony on the record, uh, but, you know, they made some mistakes, but they're pretty good people. I love the idea of giving them a second chance. Again, that's just a good way to run a society because then you don't end up with a desperate guy who goes back to crime. So I am not uncompassionate on this stuff. But the idea that we have too many prisons, that's just not true. Watch MSNBC Saturday night. Would you do that for me? Watch Lockup. They'll pick some city in America and they'll do the Saturday night's my line dancing night, and you know it. <laughs> well, then DVR lockups so you can watch it Sunday morning. You watch that show, you don't come out of that thinking, oh, it's just awful that we lock these people up. You think, thank God those people are behind bars. It's amazing it's on MSNBC. That might be the best show to convince people we need to lock people up forever that's ever been put together. And right. it's on the Lefty channel. But, uh, yeah, you don't watch that show and think, oh, it's just, it's just unfair the way the world has treated them. You think, holy crap. Right. Don't let him out. Don't let him out. Yeah. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, Donald Trump launching another Twitter attack, this time calling out Facebook. Oh, boy. U.S. DevSec Mattis, target of a terrorist attack, and rack up another glitch for new Apple products. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Are you talking about the watch? I was thinking about buying the watch.
Got the watch. Got another one now. I bought an iPhone for my wife yesterday. First time something ever happened to me in Apple Store. I should mention that as an Apple stockholder. Uh, Stay tuned for the news coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So my kids have started uh, chanting in my wife's truck uh, when they go to school in the morning. I don't know where they heard chanting or where they came up with this. Wow. Uh, but my wife's truck is very, very, very cluttered. There's lots of stuff in there. Sorry to hear that. Stuff everywhere. It's just the way she lives, the way she rolls. But anyway, <laughs> they're complaining because there's no room for their feet. So now they chant when they get in the truck. Less mess, more freedom. Less mess, more freedom. I like it. <laughs> Fight the power, kids. Fight the power. <laughs> That's fine. I don't know if it's had any effect or not. <laughs> I think it might. Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, i got to tell you, the tweets just keep on coming. President Trump calling Facebook anti-Trump. His latest tweet coming days after the social media company agreed to provide material Two congressional investigators looking into Russian interference in the 2016 election. Trump tweeting, Facebook was always anti-Trump. The networks were always anti-Trump. Hence, fake news. New York Times apologized. And WAPO were anti-Trump. Collusion? Question mark. Trump also went on to say on Twitter that the people were pro-Trump. Virtually no president has accomplished what we've accomplished in the first nine months, and the economy is roaring. Don't you have people for that? <laughs> so, anyway, that, that was the latest round of uh, tweets from the president. So, uh, one guy who put a bunch of fake news out there um, that was pro-Trump uh, was found dead yesterday in the Phoenix area. Yeah, I, I saw he, that. I think he OD'd, but some of the stories he put out there are pretty interesting. I'll have to talk about that. He was a pro-Trump guy, though. Uh, the stories helped Trump. He was he was anti-Trump. He just thought the Trump crowd was very easy to hook, oh. and he was making money by getting stories circulated. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. giving ISIS, them what they wanted to see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. ISIS and the Taliban are taking credit for that rocket attack on Kabul's airport today, while U.S. Defense Secretary Jim Mattis was in Afghanistan. As many as forty rockets and rocket-propelled grenades hit the airport. Hours after Mattis and the NATO Secretary General arrived for unannounced meetings with Afghan officials. Secretary Mattis saying the Taliban should expect retaliation for the attack. They will find the Afghan security forces continuing on the offensive against them in every district of the country right now. And again, this was an unannounced meeting. Right. Well, you know, they got a car bomb clear into the green zone in Kabul because there were enough people at the checkpoints that were like, oh, you're Taliban? Go ahead. Blow them up, buddy. And how many checkpoints was it? It's like a, a ton of them. It was yeah. te- in the teens. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. So uh, so somebody tipped the Taliban off, although Taliban and ISIS are claiming credit for this, yeah. but somebody tipped the bad guys off of this secret trip, which is scary. So if they actually manage to kill the Secretary of Defense, blow up his plane and kill him, how would we react? Would that suck us into that war completely? Oh, boy. I, I, suck us into that country completely? I mean, how the would alternative would be, you know, just massive bombing campaigns, but what are you going to do? Rearrange the rocks right, in Afghanistan? Right, right. I don't know. That'd be awful. It would be. It would be terrible on you know, on many levels. Right. Number of reports today say the University of Louisville's head basketball coach Rick Pitino is telling his staff he expects to lose his job 
after allegations of fraud and money laundering in his program. Now, Rick Pitino is a guy who was sexing up a hooker on the table oh. at a restaurant. <laughs> Wasn't that what he was doing? Well, I think he was just a, a lover. Uh, don't don't turn the woman yeah, into yeah, a she, prostitute. Yeah. She was a woman with needs. He was a, a man who was there, had a gentle touch, a kind word. Wife they, at home, so to they, they, Well, and they found uh, refuge in each other's arms. He's also set up similar refuge for some of his players that he's trying to recruit as well. I right. mean, right. Patino's as crooked as a chiropractor pen. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they found refuge in each other's arms on top of a restaurant table. <laughs> to finish the thought. The federal prosecutor is announcing a sweeping investigation into college basketball, specifically that coaches had steered players to agents and took money from shoe companies to pay players. No way. U.S. attorney detailing the amount of some of the bribes. In exchange for bribes ranging from $13,000 to almost $100,000 each, these coaches allegedly pushed particular managers and advisors on the players and their families. And certain of the coaches arranged for separate payments to be made to the families. Shocking. I'll, uh, I'll willingly do that right now for 25K a man. <laughs> you just call me uh, via the show. We'll, we'll get in touch. Is anybody bothered by this? Really? Apple sure. Surprised I'll, I'll tell them you're a great agent for 25000 bucks. Okay. Anybody surprised or bothered? I suppose at the root of it, you get down to the problem of colleges making gazillions of dollars right. off of something that's got nothing to do with education so you got that and then you got the players getting nothing from it so surprised at gambling in casablanca why i never apple is confirming the iphone 8 has got crackling sound problems uh-oh problems reported by a small number of people happen when they're using the phone with an earpiece during regular phone calls and facetime calls apple said their team is working on a fix now, the iPhone problem is the second high-profile glitch to hit the company's new line of products. There's a bug in the new version of the Apple Watch that prevents the device from connecting to cellular networks in some instances, spoiling a major selling point of the watch, which promises to let users go ahead and make phone calls directly from their wrists. Hey, Tim Cook, how about you take that million dollars you gave to the Southern Poverty Law Center and put it into trying to figure out why there's a crackle in the iPhone 8? I almost bought an iPhone 8 yesterday. Glad I didn't. Wow. I bought the SE, which I didn't even know existed, uh, which is, there's a crackling right now. No, it's making me crazy. Yes. I, I, I. They still make the smaller phone if you buy something called the SE, which my wife likes the smaller phone, so that's her birthday present. One last note. we got another Kardashian reportedly uh, on the way. People Magazine and TMZ reporting that Khloe Kardashian is now pregnant. The news coming days after... Chloe's sister, 20-year-old Kylie Jenner, announced she is also pregnant. couple of pregnant Kardashians? Yep. This They're is an exciting be- time. <laughs> there are going to be more of them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. Brace yourselves for some wacky celebrity names. Oh, yeah. Since that's obligatory. I had my first unpleasant Apple employee ever of my life yesterday. Really? At the Apple store. First time I've ever run into an Apple employee that wasn't freaking fantastic. Jack runs into a sour apple. Plus, <laughs> a college cry bully update. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. going just fine thanks hmm. is this bob plant the uh, fellow who promised to give us every inch of his love back in 1969 <laughs> the one and the only
Fantastic, man. He's still doing some good stuff. Really admire him. Welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. This from the new album? Yeah, cool. Well, make it a go. I don't want to hear it anymore. Turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it off. It's been a while. It's been too long. Ladies and gents, it's a campus cry bully update. As we track the efforts of the militantly helpless and bravely terrified toddlers of higher education to turn our nation into a kindergarten class with the military. Oh, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. You're the same age as... He's like a little baby. Same age as people who fight in the military, but everything terrifies you. So, uh, when recently we met, we were discussing this flower. Oh, oh, did I mention I'm going to be playing audio, Michael? I'm so sorry. Now Michael has to press more buttons than it takes to launch the space shuttle just to switch the channel over. Are you ready, sir? When last we met, we were discussing this flower of American womanhood, old This parade of Kathy white supremacist bigots descend on these steps, and we call on people to get organized across this country to drive the fascist Drink. Trump-Pence regime out of power. Yeah, yeah she, the chick can't order a hamburger without yelling about fascism. Anyway, so she is far from alone. We had returned to Reed College, the inimitable Reed College in Washington State that is to the left of, of, of the University of Moscow. Uh, these people are, this is the place that tried to ban white people for a day from their campus. And we bring you to Humanities 101, a required class in which they learn about uh, the cradle of Western civilization, ancient Greece. They're doing a group presentation class when, uh, uh, and you're going to hear the end of one group, and then you'll hear what happens. Now, time for the next group to do their presentation on ancient Greece. Except this happens. Hi, we're Reed Against Racism, and this is from the. Uh, I'm sorry, this is a classroom space, and this is not appropriate. So we have allowed. Well, we work just as hard on the syllabus. Okay, we all so have. this is a classroom this space. This is a failure to give us credit for our labor. We're raised against racism, and we're protesting Hume 110 because of its Eurocentric. Okay, so we cannot have our class if we have students interrupting the speaking. So why don't we're going to call the lecture? Uh, you can all just meet with your conference leaders, and they'll explain what's going on. Thank you. We'll see you all Wednesday. Sorry, I missed the chance to. All right. Now, I wish I could let all this play, but there's a lot of it that's visual. So uh, they're trying to do their group presentations. These people take over the class and say, no, we're going to tell you about racism and how this class is racist for being Eurocentric. It's the history of ancient Greece. What do you do? It's humanity. It's Western civilization, which you may have noticed has been fairly successful. But so, the class on ancient Greece is too Eurocentric, so they're going to interrupt it. So the teacher says, this ain't happening. Picks up her paper, all the judges are grading panel or whatever, the, the, the TAs, they, they leave. The audience starts leaving, and the would-be uh, social justice warriors are saying, we'd appreciate you all staying to listen. If you, if you would stay to listen, <laughs> and everybody files out. God oh, dang it's it. so great. Dang it, dang it. Here's what you should do. Think about what you're going to do for a living when you get out of college. Spend your time on that. You know, the uh, the alert listener, Scott, who sent this along, um, uh, talked about his uh, college experience, and it was, it's a pretty nice note. And then he said, 
you know, I, I've heard it all the time. We say it all the time. Just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Might I suggest that if you're in college and you aren't offended by the school, then the school is doing it wrong. And if you're not offending others, then you're doing school wrong. We're not talking about, like, punching them or indecent exposure. We're talking about trading ideas and running up against ideas. You think, wow, I don't agree with that, or that's really different than what I think. Please, God. And also, if we didn't think college kids were soft enough, this sent along uh, by, I think it's a different Scott, actually. But um, here's your headline. Colleges erect ball pits to offer students safe spaces to make friends and share feelings. Ooh, the, the gross ball pit that you know is full of fecal matter. The McDonald's-style ball pit. Colleges across the nation are, in, are erecting ball pits to help students find an emotional safe space on campus to make friends or express themselves. And so they can be kids again. Because that's the problem? Our 18 to 22-year-olds are being ordered to too fully engage be too adult? They're, too much is being asked of them? The ball pit trend comes as universities turned offering coloring books to help students de-stress. I actually enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with coloring books like any other hobby. But University of Southern California even hired a full-time wellness dog last week to help students cope with campus life. It's a new breed I'm not familiar with. (laughs) The campus dog? The wellness dog. As for the ball pits, they're mostly utilized for a variety of campus observances on topics such as mental health, social justice, diversity, civility, and inclusiveness. And how to get fecal matter on you. (laughs) Diversity and inclusiveness in the ball pit. Do you notice how the yellow balls and the red (laughs) balls and the blue balls are all together in the pit? I've had blue balls. What? Isn't it more interesting that all the different colored balls... Can you imagine if all the balls were one color? Oh, that would be terrible. That's right. If I had yellow or red, I'd go to the doctor immediately. <laughs> um, you don't want the red balls. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, duh. Oh, so I like the argument that you've talked about a bunch of times that we're making people mentally ill. Because right. convincing a 20-year-old that you should need a coloring book... Because of something is just weird. That, that that's not doing them any good. I should. Okay, I guess I'm upset. I guess <laughs> because of an idea that doesn't perfectly line up with yours. <laughs> well, right, exactly. And it's the catastrophizing that bothers me. The every slight offense should be treated as if it's a belly wound in a civil war battle. I mean, everything that happens to you should be reason to break down and and weep and pet a dog and color and coloring book. One final exhibit. This is more a bizarro politics on campus than a uh, college cry bully update, but I had to throw it in. Uh, A friend of mine sent this to me. uh, Signing up for a class... Check the box that applies to you. Only one of them. Um, I am a non-immigrant alien as defined by federal law, including but limited to a foreign student or exchange student. Meaning, okay, so you're a lawful person who's there to study. Or, I am not an immigrant alien, including a U.S. citizen, a permanent resident, or an alien without lawful immigration status. If you are an illegal or a or an or a citizen, 
you can get the scholarship money and you can get the aid. But if you are a visa-holding lawful student visitor to the country, then F you. It's a good system. Welcome to Cal Unicornia. My niece's a major university where the teacher for her Arabic class has to stand outside the door to teach it because she's part of Trump's travel ban or something. So she's still teaching the class, but has to stand outside the door room because she can legally stand out there. What? She stands outside the door and teaches from there. Isn't that crazy? Uh, that's much better. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.